Are you ready to create and grow the impactful and profitable business you've been dreaming of? It's all possible. A bigger audience, more impact, and a new revenue stream. We'll show you how. I'm Jenny Barcelos. And I'm Sandy Connery. And this is the Soulful MBA Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 41 of the Soulful MBA Podcast. Today's episode is called Liberation. I'm Jenny Barcelos, and I'm joined with my co-host, Sandy Connery. Hey, Sandy. Hi, Jenny. I'm laughing because this is our like third take to start. <laughs> it's just been a funny little beginning it, to the episode. Yeah, it's a funny one. It's like a funny beginning to an episode that's kind of serious, kind of a serious topic. So we're going to talk to you about liberation, and liberation can mean a lot of things, but I think most of us associate the word freedom with liberation. But the dictionary, according to Google, when I type in liberation, tells me it's the act of setting someone free from imprisonment, slavery, or oppression, or release. And the second definition is freedom from limits or thought or behavior. And we want to talk talk about the concept of liberation as it relates to ourselves in our business and how... Hopefully some of the lessons that we've learned about self-limiting behavior can, at this stage, you know, three years into our journey, can help some of you maybe not to make the same mistakes that we've made. So that's what we want to talk about today. Mm -hmm. And I think that there is, um, we need to start this topic about liberation, stating the fact that when you are first starting out in anything new, it may feel liberating to get started, but often in the way that you function your business, the way you show up, the way you market, the way you create, the way you speak about it is often um, fairly formulaic or sort of following in the footsteps of what others have done before you. And so we want to just to acknowledge that you can't just right out of the gates as you start a new business, specifically online, most of us can't just be like doing completely however we see fit or whatever we want. We're usually following some kind of rules or guidelines. Yes, exactly. So breaking rules requires understanding the rules first. I think if you want to intelligently start to break rules and dismantle existing culture around something, it's really helpful to invest the time in testing out what is the current dominant way of doing things and then to start to see what resonates with you and what doesn't and I I, you know this is a tricky thing to do because there's a lot of emotion that can get involved here and like sense a sense of self-worth or a sense of confidence like who you are as a person will help to determine kind of how much liberation you can give yourself from the get-go but I mean, I think the best way to illustrate this, Sandy, today, this topic we wanted to talk about is to sort of tell our own story around liberation. And I think that will help folks to see the trajectory that we've made in our business over the past couple of years. And we're obviously still in it, right? Like the hard part about telling these stories is that they're not, there's no ending because we're, as we record this, this podcast, we're still like five minutes before we started recording, we're talking about new ideas of talking, new ways of talking about our brand and new concepts about who we are as a company, new values we want to integrate and swap out for old values. And so I, th- I think that that's part of the lesson too, is that everything is always in flux. Like we're living, breathing creatures and our businesses are living and breathing in their own way. And so we have to always be adapting and flexible about what it means to be entrepreneurs. So I think the best thing to do is to start at the very beginning 
you know, we've told our story before. If you go back to, is it episode one story mm-hmm. where we talk about how we got started and how we met each other and got started with our company, um, I, we met in a software entrepreneurship program. So we met after six months of having gone through this very intensive process on our own, starting our own businesses. And we both in that, in the course of those six months had started to liberate, self-liberate a little bit. Um, We learned business and internet marketing, like online business from, uh, from some people who are, are kind of like the standard bearers for the more sort of masculine dominant stereotypical internet marketing world, I I would say. And so there was a lot in that education that was really valuable. And there was a lot that really didn't work for for each of us, like who we are as human beings and what we wanted to build. And And I think that I felt this rebelliousness against that traditional marketing world right away. But I also knew I didn't know a lot about this this area. Like I came to business from the academic world and from the nonprofit sector, and I really did not understand anything. And so I gave myself, I would say probably a year before I started to radically shift what I was doing from what I had been learn, learning and, and being exposed to. And Sandy, I mean, you have a different background. You came from a business background. Mm-hmm. But I think that the internet business world is like different than the business world. Sure, like the whole concept of, you know, writing e- like email marketing. I didn't know anything about that. Um, or, you know, cold emailing people to get them to, you know, ask answer questions. Uh, um that was all new. And and some of it that the, the what we were taught, I did kind of follow most of it to the letter, but there's so many things that I was like, I am not doing that. I, there's just no way that I can put my name on that. And I, and specifically around the messaging and the writing to, to potential clients. And I, yeah, I just rewrote all of that in my own voice. And just having been an entrepreneur for so long, I don't know, I have a certain way of communicating to, um, to my peers or to my equals. And, and I, I, yeah, I just would, I mean, they were, well, they were much younger than me, right? So they spoke, they were male and in their twenties and I am not that. So I changed the language a lot because it just did not feel right. Yeah. Well, it would be, it would, it would be (laughs) dissonance, right? To have like the words of a 22 year old boy coming out of either of our mouths. Yeah, but so, a lot of people did it, right? Like they just oh, did it blind. Oh, I know they did. They I just know did they it did. blind. And, and they that still was, do. And they still do. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so that's that's part part of this is like, so when I was a child, I learned from my big brother, who is much older and wiser than me. He taught me, like I was a rebel and like an activist out of the womb. I mean, I've always been this way. And I was super activisty, like early teens to mid teens, like to the point that like, I mean, yeah, like instead of going to class, like I would go make flyers of, of like with the names in the library, I would make flyers, like cut out pieces of paper, like a ransom letter <laughs> and make flyers that showed all of the companies, like the shampoo companies that were testing on animals, right? Like, and then I would photocopy them in the library and stick them in people's lockers. Like I was that kid. And so uh, anyway, and then I'd show up and take my test and get an A, right? And then like go back out to my activism. And that was like early stage before I got super political. So I I remember him talking to me about my activist behaviors and my rebellious streak and him saying, you know, 
you've got to build the wall first. Like you've got to lay all the bricks before you start dismantling it because you're not going to know what to remake in its place. And you're not going to understand which bricks to leave there and which ones to take down. And I like, obviously it had such a profound effect on me that I'm still thinking about it all these years later. And it's really informed the way I live my life because like my inclination is just, no, you're wrong, (laughs) destroy. This is like, we need a new way of being. And I I think I'm right. Like, I still think I'm right to want that. But I, I needed to mature into a person and now a business owner who is able to understand what to take from what was taught to me and what to leave behind. And I, and I think as new entrepreneurs, everyone needs to do that. Like you need to have somebody to, to give you mentorship in some way so that you can start to understand what the landscape actually is um, from an intelligent place before you start to make it your own. Yeah, I think that's very true. And, and I, I think the, the, transition from that so I think what's interesting Jenny is I just want to say at the beginning of this this uh, podcast up front that it is only now how long have you and I been working almost three years together now no two Two, years two years (laughs) feels like three no so two (laughs) years uh working together Namastream has been in existence for three years I guess that's where that number is coming from but it's only really now that I feel comfortable to say yeah no we're not going to do that or that's not right for us or you know, I, it's it's like I feel like I've kind of grown up, you know, or Namastream's grown grown up, grown up, and it's it, it, I'm confident with the experience I've had and what we've done together to say, yeah, no, that's not going to happen, or I would never do that. Where before I would feel like, oh my God, this is how we're supposed to do it. We're supposed to do it this way and say it this way, and it's this in many emails, and a webinar should be this many minutes, and this many emails before and after, you know, and it it and it is a real feeling of liberation. Um, to reach this point and it feels really good but I know you just can't you can't jump there yeah well some people do I mean we interviewed Kim Luna recently which that (laughs) will be coming out as a podcast and I you were asking her about her confidence and where she got it from and she talked about like the way she has built her very very successful seven-figure multi-seven-figure business um, through this confidence of her just deciding to do something in a certain way because essentially she felt like it and I I think that's the outlier though right Mm -hmm. like most of us are yeah. not like we don't know what to do when we're just starting and we need to have somewhere to go to to learn the basics before we start to tweak it to make it ours you know and, and I so anyway that will be a fun listen for all of you in a future episode but I I think that in our story in our case you know we went through this software sort of online entrepreneurship program and then you and I between the two of us have taken I don't know how many other online courses around internet business and internet marketing, like a bazillion, like all of the courses, basically like many thousands and thousands, like tens of thousands of dollars in courses. And at first, when you're a beginner, uh, there's this sense of excitement, like now I found the golden ticket or the, the treasure key or like there's a sense of like every time you learn something that's a whole new area for you, you're like, oh, this is it. This is the answer. And then now at this point, like this many years in, I'm like, oh, I I don't think there's a key. Like there's no, like the key is simply being authentic and working hard and having something important that we're making and caring about the people we're serving. Like that's the key. The key is, is like, as Seth Godin would say, like the emotional labor of the work itself is the key. And And so in a way, that's liberating to know that, that there's not like some business guru out there that I can get on his webinar and he'll send me his free paperback book (laughs) who's going to give me all the answers that I've been waiting for. Like they're like I already have the answers. Right. So 
I, that, that took three years for me. And like, I, I agree. It just happened. And for me and for you, like you and I have both been in this realm of business, even though it's not been together for three plus years. And, um, and so that's how long it took us. And maybe it doesn't take everyone else that long, but it, but it's, it's a, it's a newfound confidence. I think from having kind of been through like the, the versions of expertise of enough other people, like having sifted through those teachings and, and mentorships to be like, huh, okay, so th- I can take this piece from this person and that this piece from that person and this piece from myself and merge them together and create something totally new and a new way of operating. And that's exciting, right? And that feels, it feels good. And, and I, you know, one of the points I know you wanted to talk about, Sandy, in, the, in this episode is just once you have been exposed to mentorship, whether it's through an online course or hiring a business coach, or reading a whole stack of business books, once you have had some level of um, knowledge imparted <laughs> upon you in this realm, then like then the way you decide what works for you and what's going to lead to success for you is is like largely gut level. Like it's instinctive, instinctual. It's intuitive. Like I, it, there's no there. Like to me, I don't even I don't even know how else you would know what works. Yeah. Once you try all these different methods and schemes to try to get people on your email list or sign up for a webinar or buy your product, there becomes a really innate knowing whether this is right for your list. Um, First of all, over that time, hopefully you will have learned who your audience is, what they appreciate, how they speak, what they want from you, what they like about you. Um, And I think that all shapes Um, the next steps. And so there is this like, oh, you know what, I really do not feel comfortable speaking to our audience this way or sending an email on this day or saying this this way in an email or posting this much on much on social or this message or whatever. But maybe, you know, there's it's so tempting to kind of copy um, what someone else has done in the past like this, this worked for them and they had a six figure launch. So I should do it exactly the same. And I just, but along that way of doing it exactly the same, there's these little sort of moments of like, ugh, the sort of cringe moments, like, oh, I don't want to do this. And I'm the worst at this, Jenny, because I'm a, I'm always like, well, we should do it this way because this works. This will work. And you're like, ah, it doesn't feel so good, Sandy. I'm like, no, Jenny, let's do it. It works. <laughs> and then after we're like, ah, oh, right. dang, you know, so, so I think you're better at at listening with business anyway about your intuition and I'm a bit more on the formulaic side but I'm I'm uh, leaving that behind I think I get it now it's a newfound confidence well you're the establishment and I'm the rebel right so we need both of us in order to move forward like that's the way it is but but I I will say that you know the way I make a decision so for those of you who are on our email list I don't know how many of you that are listening are like I, I'm so careful. I, I there have been times against my better judgment that we've sent out emails that I didn't want to send, and every time I felt terrible about it. And I, so I, the way I judge, at least for me, I I think like would I want to receive this in my inbox? Yes or no? Like that's it's not like is this like headline statistically better or more likely to get clicks or are there too many links in my email or you know whatever or like these graphics gonna make sure it goes to spam or whatever like I mean I try to be smart about it but I also think like would I want to get this in my inbox yes or no if the answer is no I have a very big problem with sending that email and that's for me and and you know I know I'm not exactly our target audience I'm not exactly our QC but 
I still feel this if I feel a sense of of like dis-ease or unease about it I know that like that's my like intuition telling me not to send it and 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 vice versa like there are times where I we've done things against the grain where it didn't make any sense from a business standpoint based on what we'd learned and yet we did did it and it felt great and so then that's you know that's data like oh listening Mm -hmm. to my intuition works like huh cool that's great and that I think for me, that's mostly around the podcast where we do these topics where we don't, we're not pretending to be experts. In fact, we feel a little bit new and shy about what we've just learned, but we'll come on and kind of be really raw and truthful about where we are in business or what we just learned or what we're thinking. And and then there's so many times where we're like, gosh, should we publish this this episode? And of course we do. And inevitably, that is the one that people comment on. Like, I love that. and. Yeah. Sometimes I want to say, but don't you realize I don't really know everything about that? Do you not realize we haven't mastered that? But that's not the point. The, the point is that we are talking about our immediate feelings and decisions and controversies and conversations. And I think that really rings true for a lot of people that we're kind of figuring it out and evolving and doing so on the podcast and people people get it and they understand it. No. Yeah, we're doing it publicly. Yeah. We're like reality TV, but for a business podcast. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, but I also think, you know, so for those of you who, who, I mean, sure, many of you don't know this, like this is V2 of our podcast. So we actually started the podcast almost a year earlier than we launched this one in the spring of 2017. And we never published any episodes because I think we recorded a ton of them and they were formulaic based on what we had learned a podcast should be. They followed the same formula as a lot of other business podcasts that are interview based. And I think we both felt like, I don't like this. Like to me, I don't want to put this out. I don't care if this is going to grow our email list by a bazillion people or make us famous and like be TED talkers or, you know, whatever. I didn't care because I hated it. (laughs) It didn't feel like me. I didn't feel, I don't, I'm not, I don't know. And I still feel kind of iffy about interviews in general, right? So we're exploring interviews again. We have some great people. We want to have like conversations with them publicly. But even still, like I don't know that we're going to do that long term. And, and the podcast, for I think we both agree, this is our sacred space to, do, to only do what feels intuitively right versus like every other area of our business. We're still learning that. And now we're increasingly bringing this intuitive guidance into the rest of our business, including our software company. And it's crazy to sit here and say, like, we run our software company from an intuitive place, but that's what we're doing. I mean, that's, that is actually what we're, what we're doing. And, um, you know, we care about data. We care about spreadsheets a little bit, right? Like we care about growing our company and serving more people and doing a really good job. But the decisions that we make and how we operate in that business are largely now intuitive. This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is a tool designed to help you teach, train, and coach from anywhere on the planet. If you're a wellness professional looking to take your business to the next level, you can learn more at namastream.com. If you look at any software platform in the world, they basically all have the same kind of formula for a website, the same sections, the same titles, the same FAQs, the same, same, same. And we've done that for since the beginning and it, it worked. But now there's this 
beautiful turning point that we're at, that we are redesigning something so different for a software site that it just makes us so excited and so happy. And I think it's going to make us stand out. And the words and the language and the images that we are using are going to be noticed. And for those who those who get it and understand and think it's beautiful, those will be our clients. And those who don't will be like, that's strange. And <laughs> they can move on to others. But so that's really exciting. But I don't know that we could have done that a year ago or two years ago. We just wouldn't have been ready to feel that free and confident to to express our company in that way. Yeah, it's it would have been based on fear. Well, it was based on fear. It was like, Oh my goodness, we have a software company. What are we going to do? What is everybody <laughs> like, else doing? Let's what do What does that. everybody else do? Let's look at that. Yeah. Okay, we're doing that. I mean, that sort of, except for the dude on the cover is going to have tattoos, like <laughs> on the, on like the header image and the hero image. I mean, like that is like the extent, like, yes, we're going to follow the same thing, except for give that one tattoos. Yeah. I mean, and, and so that's like baby steps, right? But, but at the same time, now we realize like who our clients are. So like, I mean, we're going to record a whole yeah, other co- a podcast whole. conversation on this. I really want to talk about it, but I'm going to I'm going to bite my <laughs> lip because I we're keeping that under wraps for now until we until we record that one. But no, but it's this sense. And I know, Sandy, if I had proposed this idea for our website, if I had proposed this to you a year ago, you would have been like, I Jenny, said, no, get out. That will fail. Get out of here. Mm-hmm. Never, never mm-hmm. will we do that. Right. And so it's so fun to do what you actually want. Right. To make something really different. And and you know what? Th- like this is where you can fail too but but here's what i think you can fail by following the rules you can also fail by not following the rules so you might as well like you know really try to build something that you want to build and then fail and get data and reiterate and try again because I don't know. I mean, what is it 98% of startups fail? Mm-hmm. 98 like so like why not do what you want? Mm-hmm. it's a whole you know? lot more fun it's a whole lot more fun yeah yeah it is and and I think there's a greater chance that you won't fail if you're doing something new that's and right. unique and like from a place of in- intuitive guidance mm-hmm. so that's mm-hmm. anyway that's our thing that's liberation and and I think that for us you know we have had we've been heavily influenced by a number of thinkers in in the past few months so primarily feminist thinkers have influenced us like whether it's books we're reading or you know business coaches or consultants or mentors um we've just i think for some reason we caught some kind of i don't we caught fire with this idea of of having sort of feminist business guide us and it's been really really fun it's been a really fun few months to to dive into those ideas yeah started with jennifer armbrust um summer school for feminist business school and that really got us thinking um and now we've I've just spent um, some time working with Kelly Deals from Kelly KellyDeal.com, not not Deals, D-I-E-L, and she's just just took us another step, right? And and she's the one I think who really made us feel this sense of liberation and encouraged us to do what we're doing and to her in her words to embody our business more and to speak up and to be confident that the way that we talk and the way we want to lead and the way we want to do this business, people will be attracted to that. And so um, extremely grateful to her and her work um, that she's doing and the people that she's leading because these people are really making change out there in the digital landscape and in the world in general, not just online. Yeah, you know, and and I want to talk about cognitive dissonance here for a second. So 
my prior life was as an activist, as I keep talking about, because I feel like I can talk about it now. It feels liberating to be like, I'm owning who I actually am on the inside, right? I can do that in this space. And um, so there's something about bifurcating ourselves that can happen to us when we become entrepreneurs. And I've seen this happen in different ways to different people. So this this also happened to you, Sandy, where like you had to sort of slough off this other identity to some extent to become this new entrepreneur. Like you had a, st- a very successful established clinical practice and you were successful as a retail brick and mortar store owner. You have you have like this identity as one thing and then you're like, oh, I'm going to try something new where I'm a beginner and I've got to sort of like, you know, separate these two versions of myself. And I have the same thing, right? And I was like an academic and an activist and I, I think a leader in a certain way and um, I was constantly traveling I was speaking on stages like I had this very very real sense of self that that once I had a child and became a software entrepreneur really shifted for me and I felt embarrassed um, I felt embarrassed on both sides so I felt embarrassed to share the, my past with this new sort of like entrepreneurial group of people and this new identity and then I also felt um, embarrassed to share my new entrepreneurial self with my old life, like with the people in my old life. And when you when you are in the modern age and you have a digital presence, I know, Sandy, even for you, like what letters you put after your name, you know, in your email signature, like all of this stuff comes up for us when we become entrepreneurs. Like entrepreneur is such a strong identity that it's it's hard to fit in the other parts of ourselves at times and so I think that part of this liberation for me has been you know what I'm actually going to own who I am completely in this role and that makes me a different entrepreneur than I was three months ago or six months ago or two years ago like I'm a really different entrepreneur I'm a really different CEO I'm a really different businesswoman and I don't know Sandy it's I know it's not exactly the same for you but there's this sense of like of like reconnecting and becoming whole again and bringing your whole self into whatever you're doing in the moment. That's like so good. It feels so good. You're whole now, Jenny, where before you were, your hit half of you was always hidden and just talking, working through with Kelly that that kind of was allowed to come out and be who you are, right? In my space, um, I had a really hard time identifying as a software owner or, or, as an online on, online entrepreneur or business owner, um, because I had spent so much time studying in clinical, I, it just seemed like, I hate to even say this, but it felt less, like I'm not as valuable to the world because I'm not using my bachelor of science in biomechanics. You know, it's kind of dumb to say out loud now, but, um, but I was never embarrassed of what I was doing online. I felt like I had to kind of justify it a bit, but everyone who I knew uh, who worked clinical or who worked retail was really jealous of what I was doing and was completely fascinated by the fact that I didn't have to, you know, deal with all the staff and inventory and patients and, you know, all that. They were kind of like, what do you do? Like, well, how does that work? Like, they were really interested in it. But I still felt like um, if someone asked me at a party, what did you do? I always felt like I had to say, well, I right now I do this, but I had this really great career of doing this, this, and this. Like, I had to justify it, you know, sort of bump it up a little bit. Um, but now I don't, I don't do that. So yeah, I love watching the changes that have happened in you and this sort of new voice that has come through to you. And you wrote a really passionate email, uh, recently, and that would not have happened if you hadn't kind of, you know, found this new, this new voice and this new wholeness. 
I think that like maybe this is not normal, but for, for me, I had a really strong identity like that I totally just like turned off and put in a closet for three years. Like that's what I feel like, like my entire being, like when I would go to a dinner party in my previous life, like five years ago, I would, all I did was talk about climate change. That's all I did. Like I didn't have, like I don't, <laughs> like in, I'm incapable of having some lighthearted conversation. Like that's what I felt like. Like I, there's like this, this is in, like completely 100% who I was. Like that's, I mean, I, I it was exhausting in a way. Like I needed, maybe I needed to put it away in a, a drawer for three years because I was totally burnt out and exhausted emotionally. So there's a lot of reasons that are not just about starting a business. You can't change who you are, right? And so if you're, if you are like, and I think this is, I don't know, I don't want to make comparisons, but for any of you who are hiding any part of yourself for whatever reason, um, and I know like in our culture, like there's a lot like that we, when you have shame around something, like this is Brene Brown stuff, right? If you have shame around something, you're hiding something, even though like there's no reason I should hide who I am. Um, there's no reason anyone should, right? But like when you're, when you're carrying that around with you, you're just not able to operate as your full self in whatever you're doing now. And that you're limiting yourself. Like you're self-limiting your ability to be successful, to be happy, to be known, to be connected. Like any of that gets limited when you're hiding part of yourself. So for some of you, this may not be about business. It may be about hiding, you know, hiding your yourself in some other way. But just just as someone who's just recently like reintegrated herself. Just know that it's a really powerful, magical process. And I would encourage any of you who feel like you're partially hidden to come out from the shadows. You know, that's a great segue to our hustle. If we can do it in opposite uh, order today, we'll do the hustle first. So we're going to give you the link to um, a section of Kelly Deal's blog. Um, it's called the Feminine Lifestyle Empowerment Brand. And she spent many years um, doing what we've just described, where she followed all the big online gurus, specifically the women, and felt like she had to be exactly like them, look exactly like them, do exactly their launches, their webinars, everything exactly the same to be successful. But she also felt that she could not show herself. And when she could not be, I think in her words, like bright and shiny, she would hide and retreat. And she had a lot of opportunities to write and speak. And because she didn't look the part, you know, white, thin dress, high heels, big curly blowout, because she didn't look like that, um, she felt like she had to hide. And so her work now is all about um, sort of anti-feminine um, lifestyle empowerment brands and why we should sort of be ourselves online and it doesn't matter what you look like and there's not just one definition of success. She's got a whole section of blog posts written with her ideas around this and she's actually working on a book which is super exciting. So um, if this is resonating at all with you, if you identify with wanting to hide, then um, check out these blog posts. They are fantastic. They really are. <laughs> okay. So the joy for this week, and it wouldn't be the Soulful MBA podcast without some sort of shout out to the New Yorker. I feel like the New Yorker should hire us, Sandy. They should sponsor we us. Both, we both read all these New Yorker articles and then want to have podcasts about them, <laughs> which is like maybe we should approach them. But anyway, so the joy for this week is an article that was in the August 31st New Yorker, and it's all about LeVar Burton's new podcast which is essentially reading rainbow for adults, although you can't say that because of some kind of crazy lawsuit that he's facing. But so it's called LeVar Burton Reads. 
So for those of you who don't know who LeVar Burton is, he is an actor and an online television personality, and he's most famous, I think, for Reading Rainbow. But Sandy doesn't know him from Reading Rainbow. No, I don't. I, I think he's most famous for being Geordie on Star Trek. I think that everyone in my country would disagree with that, <laughs> but we can leave that up to the comments in the show notes. So uh, for those of you in my country, you will know about Reading Rainbow, which was a show that ran on PBS from two, from 1983 to 2006, where LeVar Burton read us stories as children. And um, and so I think he's considered to be this like amazing, <laughs> amazing human being that we think of as a surrogate parent or like big brother who took care of us and read us stories while we were glued to the TV as kids. And so he's gotten all these requests to have some kind of show where he's reading stories for adults. And now he has a podcast. And um, the article is really interesting, though, because it talks about his kind of fall from grace after reading Rainbow ended. It like supposedly it got cut from PBS because of lack of funding after No Child Left Behind was passed in the United States. And and what this struggle has been for him to kind of find his footing again in this reading sector. And so it's anyway, there's a podcast. It looks like it might be ending. It was sponsored by Audible, the first iteration of it. And I, I think he's looking for a new sponsor, but you should go in and he's actually reading short stories um, and they're for adults. And so for, for those of you who also feel excited about this, you know, click through from the show notes and have a listen. Awesome. Don't quite entirely understand the excitement around it, but I'll, I'll trust you, Jenny. You got to trust me. You got to now go watch YouTube videos of Reading Rainbow, Sandy. So you oh, I'm going to wait for Star Trek to come out. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> okay, that's it. If you guys uh, like what you're hearing, we'd love to have a review and rating on iTunes. And you can uh, get there quickly and easily by going to soulful.mba slash iTunes. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week. Bye. Soulful MBA is not just the name of our podcast. It's also the name of our premium business course and community. If you are a wellness entrepreneur who dreams of growing your business online, but you're not clear on your next steps and you wish you had someone to guide you, then we've got something for you. Get Soulful MBA's first syllabus and three free video lessons by heading over to soulful.mba sample. Thank you.